0: Amanda and I have some, uh, some friends in, uh, who have an incredible place in Potts Point. They have this beautiful apartment that has access to the roof, and uh, we find ourselves there for a lot of the big events, you know, the Australia Day, the New Year's, because you get this fantastic view out over the harbour, right? You see the fireworks, and the Sydney Harbour fireworks objectively are spectacular, right? They're noisy, they're wonderful, they're completely over... As a Queenslander, they are objectively fantastic, like, I mean, you feel them in your bones. It, it's wonderful. Um, and our year seems to be marked by these key events where we go over to, uh, to Amanda and Matt's place and, and witness it. And we were there again on Friday night uh, for a farewell party, but otherwise it was, it was just a regular Friday night. Okay? Nothing spectacular happening. And as we were looking out over the railing and, and reminiscing about Australia Day, um, it was one of the first times I'd really noticed from that vantage point the harbour navigation lights, right? They're not sexy, they're not colourful, they blink every 12 seconds, completely predictable, um, and there's thousands of them scattered around. Now, they're not awe-inspiring. No one's ever gonna go down for a picnic and just stare at a flashing yellow light for three hours. Um, and I've passed them a thousand times in a ship, coming in and out, and, but it's always been from the surface where I've been specifically looking out for them and needing their guidance to keep from shallow waters. So we were talking about how we have this, um, we have these rare Big Bang events where everyone comes together and there's lights and noise and it's all fantastic. And then you have 360 something other days throughout the year where you still have these lights going on, but no one pays much attention. They just we just take them for granted that they're there and they operate. And um, the harbour doesn't change in its beauty, but um, the occasions that we're looking out for them do. Now, no one's life, as far as I can tell, has ever been saved or transformed by New Year's Eve fireworks. But there are (laughs) thousands of lives that are saved by these navigation lights. So, you get to this point where where I was thinking about it and went, there seems to be, across a whole number of areas of our lives, this split between the big and flashy and the quiet and the routine. And it's really been playing on my mind lately because as a society, we seem to be more and more fixating on that flashiness. We're always looking for that next big sugar hit, that next big event to bring us all together. And we seem to get bored with the everyday. It's just monotonous, it's routine, and, and we start to lose a lot of the perspective that comes with it. As a church, we stand here every week and you know, we stand and we fearlessly declare God's power and authority over our lives. And, We sing that we will follow in the footsteps of incredible trust and sacrifice and forsaking our family and possessions. And we prepare ourselves to to roar like a lion against the very gates of hell when that time comes. But the reality for us is is that in this auditorium right now you and I are very unlikely to ever need to defend our faith against a hostile ruler who's threatening to throw us to the lions. That's the the blessed reality of the way of the place we live. We're unlikely to ever need to make a, a kill or a be killed decision. And to be honest, unless we bring it up ourselves, we're unlikely to even be asked about our faith, let alone be forced to defend it against people trying to assault us. And yet they're the events of the, and trials of faith that we read about and that we tend to fixate on in terms of our relationship back in with God. But you see, day in, day out, 95% of our lives, of our interactions, our relationships, we still get those opportunities and choices to serve God and to call on Him. It just doesn't have the the noise and the circumstance that all goes with it. Sometimes it, it might even feel like we have a choice at all. It might be just that we're doing it on autopilot. Um, you know, it's, it's the same as just getting up in the morning and pouring your Weet-Bix out and half asleep still watching TV or... You know, flicking through Instagram for the three minutes that it takes the barista to make my coffee in the morning. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you whispered God's hopefulness into a completely mundane situation? Something where there was no life or death involved, there was no great provision needed, where you just took a quiet moment and just had a conversation with God. Just opened yourself up and just told him where you were up to in your life right now. Because you see that, that type of conversation, that type of relationship and engagement, that's what takes Christianity from a religion to real life faith. That's what we're talking about, all right? So today, I want to take this opportunity to challenge everyone here to take back that power, take back that opportunity and those chances to engage with God, in those routine run-of-the-mill moments, right? You have so many more seconds in the day where we can be engaging with God and, and tapping into His strength and His power and His wisdom and His provision that we just don't seem to be doing. And it breaks my heart that we do seem to go so long of waiting for a calendar alert to remind us to now pull out our Bibles and have our daily time with God. Oh, there is so much more we can be doing uh, to engage. Because let me tell you, despite what Facebook and what Instagram might be telling you, not everyone's living a highlight reel of their lives. Not everyone's out there having more fun than you, more holidays than you, having more adventures than you. Everyone has these run-of-the-mill moments. Everyone needs to be tapping into those in their relationship. Are you with me? All right. The part that falls out of this for me and the part that's so important to the life of a church is that when we talk about serving our brothers and sisters in a loving way with Christ at our back, I mean, sometimes overcomplicated. You know, we look for the births, the deaths, the marriages, the divorces. We look for these key moments and that's where we'll invest our energy. That's where we'll pour our energy into connecting with people and making sure that they know we're a part of their life. Um, It can be as simple as a last minute invitation over for spag bowl on a Monday night. That is just as powerfully an example of us loving our brothers and sisters in community together. Being in a relationship with God isn't just about calling on Him to cure cancer. It isn't just about invoking strength and blessing to conceive. It can be as simple as looking around a living room on a Saturday night as the family's watching some awful directed uh, DVD movie where everyone's looking at their phones, no one's paying attention to the damn movie anyway, but still in that moment, giving a quiet word of thanks to God, that you're all together, you're safe, and you're secure. So that's what I want to go through today, because I am concerned about this culture that we are are living in right now, where at every turn, we're assaulted and assailed with these messages, that we need to be living the good life. All right, That anyone, anyone who is on any form... Henry's loving life right now, just FYI. <laughs> right, anyone who's on any form of social media will understand, right, that you're just assaulted by these ideas of people's highlight reels from their holiday or um, latest great promotions that they got. It doesn't matter where you are in your Christian journey right now, whether you've been a Christian for a day or for 32 years, all right, we still face those pressures, we still face those emotions that well up in us when we start to see these highlights play out and we think, what am I doing? And so the, the issue for us is that that means we no longer just have dinner with friends. All right? We tend to try and make it this grand event where we align calendars and wheel out our best dishes to, to entertain everyone. Or you know, we, we don't just send someone a simple how are you doing text. We need to find a reason or we're just being weird. All right, that's how we rationalise it to ourselves about our connection and our relationships with people. And look, it's been ringing in my ears because Pastor Ward shared a couple of weeks ago the, uh, the really terrifying statistics about loneliness in our society and the health impacts that's having on people because they are only being engaged around these big events. You know, unless people have a clear reason to go out of their way to engage, there's people who are tragically spending their lives without knowing daily love. And one of the key differences for us right now and for Christians as opposed to um, Jews or Muslims or Hindus is that we testify our God is involved in our everyday life, is all involved in our life and wants to be involved in our everyday life. For the other religions, you're generally judged according to your reputation. At the end of your time, They can call witnesses for or against you and they need to sell your merits or or talk about your shortcomings. And so for those religions and for a large part of society, your life becomes about your public image. It's what people see you do. And it's this idea that at the end of time you you tally up your points, right, you see what's in the the, uh, assets, what's in the liabilities and you just hope to squeak over the line. Um, and the argument to that is that, well, if no one sees you do it, then what's the point? If you don't hurt anyone, what's the danger in it? That's the context that Jesus talks in when he talks about the Pharisees being all show and no substance. Right? That's the, the examples and the narrative and the context that's flowing through his stories of saying, it's actually what comes from your heart. It's that spirit of generosity that's most important, not the quantum of what you give. So Christ tells us very clearly that that sort of attitude about focusing on the big and ignoring the small, that doesn't fly with him. That's completely counter to the Christian message he's calling us to. There's an incredible message in um, 1 Kings chapter 19 that I wanted to share on quickly. It's about the prophet Elijah, uh, who's on the run at the time. And to give you a bit of context, um, chapter 18 um, Elijah is one of the, the only prophets left in Israel who's who's still fighting the good fight for uh, the God of Abraham. Um, at this stage, he has 450 prophets of the, the pagan god Baal who are, are mocking him ceaselessly and saying, well, why are we even bothering with the old ways anymore? And so they get into this contest to see which God would actually answer. And, spoiler alert, Baal never shows. Right. <laughs> super embarrassing. But when... God appears, he comes down as this pillar of fire, right? He, he consumes the sacrifice that was made before him, even though it was flooded three times with water. It, it could never have happened. It was this overwhelming demonstration of God's power. And so we then go to, uh, to chapter 19. Uh, God appears again, and it's a slightly different circumstance uh, in verses 11 to 13. It says this, The Lord said, Go out. In another version, it's a soft stillness. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So God is present and he's all-powerful in those big moments. No one disputes that. But the important part out of this message is he didn't use those big bangs, those big events, to talk to his people. He could have. But he chose this gentle whisper. And even Elijah, the the prophet, had to be reminded that he had to keep listening out for it. And God asked a question that I think we need to be asking ourselves each day. And that's, what are we doing here? See, Elijah was by himself at this stage. He was facing no immediate threats. But God's question had two parts to it. First is that God could have used this moment of triumph in front of the prophets of Baal to, to reveal himself, to give his instructions, just as he did at Mount Sinai when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But in this story, God remains silent at that point, other than the fireball from heaven that comes down and consumes an entire cup. Other than that, <laughs> God remains silent. But in this story, Elijah's left the crowds, okay? He spent 40 days wandering through the desert, uh, looking for some quiet solitude. And so God asks him quite a literal question in the midst of this. He didn't use the moment of incredible power. He chose a quiet moment just to say, how are you doing? And the second part the second part is pretty loaded, okay? Because God's not only trying to have this quiet conversation in a moment of rest, he's figuratively saying, all right, you've spent a month and a half on your own now, You're walking through the desert and you seem to be settling in for the long haul here in this cave. (laughs) What's your plan? (laughs) What what are you using your time for? What are you using your gifts for? Why are you locking yourself away right now? That's what we hear in the quiet. God doesn't just want to hear from us about the big and the beautiful events. He wants to talk to us. He wants to be a part of our daily walk and work smack dab in the middle of the ordinary that's the relationship he wants with us and look he wants to be a part of our lives so badly he's willing to sit there in line with us at the RTA trying to renew our license they're the opportunities you can tap into that's where he wants to be with us you will never be lonely if you're in a relationship with god and if you are serving god So there's a challenge there for us then, right? In those quiet moments, what do we do? Do we pull out our phone and flick through Instagram? Do we stress about the 400 emails waiting for us back in the office? Do we we skip days or even weeks ahead and focus on some concert that's coming up in August and completely ignore the, the days and the weeks and the months in between here and now when we could be back in relationship, where we could be engaging and serving out our gifts. Often, if we take that approach, it means we can't hear, we're, we're too busy talking in our own heads to hear God's message, telling us to keep calm and reminding us that He's got this. Yeah. And there's another story that, that's a, a similar vein that I want to share with you from Two Kings. Uh, It's around Elisha and the field marshal Naman of the Aramaeans. So again, a bit of context. Elisha was the the main prophet of Israel around 850 BC. He was a student of Elijah and and took over that role later on as chief priest to the Israelites, even though by that stage the false idols had started to creep back in. Naaman was the he was a great warrior general of the Aramaeans and he had absolute authority and respect amongst the peoples and he actually had a relatively good relationship with the Israelites. He, he had a reputation for acting justly but he always went with an enormous entourage wherever he went. The issue was he, he contracted leprosy and one of his wife's slaves said, well, I'm an Israelite, there's this great prophet who's done incredible things, he, he's raised people from the dead... Um, Maybe you should go and see it. So this, this field marshal, I mean, you think through what was going on in his mind about lowering himself down to go and talk to another country's, uh, in his mind, an inferior country's prophet to go and seek healing. Anyway, he, he did it. He went out to go and seek uh, healing from leprosy. But instead of meeting a, a prophet in flowing robes and having a grand ceremony in front of his, uh, his soldiers, Elisha didn't even turn up himself. He sent his own slave servant to go out and give instructions to Naaman and just told him, just go and bathe in the Jordan seven times. You'll be healed. Talk about humiliating, right? <laughs> I mean, this guy who lives his life as a, you know, an Instagram celebrity of the time, everyone following him around, used to these incredible events that are going on, all of a sudden being met with a slave and told, just go and have a bath. Just, that, I mean, you, you can't have a more mundane or routine element come into your life. And after some understandable initial anger and a bit of confusion, Naaman eventually goes off and bathes and he's miraculously healed. Right? And he ends up renouncing his heathen idols and dedicating himself to the God of Israel. The point of that story that I, I, I can't ring home strongly enough is God doesn't need fireworks to demonstrate his power. He doesn't need fireballs from heaven to come and make his glory known to mankind. He won't always use a celebrity. He won't always use a newsworthy event. He may not even always use a pastor to go and communicate his vision for your life and bring miracles into it. Every disciple of Jesus has that power. You have that power in you by virtue following christ and that is amazing right that is amazing and so our journey starts with us realizing that regardless of what we do in life regardless of how high or low our station might be we have value we have absolute undeniable value and it's not just when we do the heroic acts we don't need to tally it up at the end of time or or give away all our treasured possessions Our value doesn't come from our actions. We are inherently and unstoppably and undeniably valuable as people. And that's every second of our lives. That's not just when we're in front of people in the public eye. God gave up everything to come back down to earth and to build that relationship. Everything. He wants to be a part of your relationship. He wants to be a part of every minute of your day. So don't cut him out of it. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you right now, beyond all doubt, whatever you do in your life, wherever you are personally at right now, good, bad, or otherwise, you have a direct hotline to God at all times. And you can tap into that. If you're sitting there waiting for your uh, morning coffee, if you're waiting uh, and brushing your teeth, if you're waiting for your frozen lasagna to heat in the microwave, take that time because God's there with you and He wants to talk to you. That stuff, that, that mundane, that's a huge part of our lives. And if we ignore it, then we're ignoring such a rich opportunity to engage with God. And if he's there in the mundane, then ask him to meet you there anyway. You don't need to go and psych yourself up. You don't need to go through uh, five showers before you can go and sit down and read your Bible in the afternoon. He wants to just get into conversation with you. His grace is just as powerful two minutes after you wake up in the morning as it is after you walk out of this service this afternoon. And it is strong enough and it is good enough. So the crux of the message is this. Living as part of God's community doesn't mean you only get together for the big events. They're incredible. They're great fun. And I don't deny that in any way. But God's calendar is free for you all the time. God wants to be involved. He he is involved, whether you like it or not, whether you recognize it or not, he's involved with you and he's walking with you, no matter how boring this moment might seem to you so I want to challenge everyone to to look out this week for God's quiet, noiseless harbour navigation lights. Don't just wait for the big bangs of the fireworks. Look for those markers that show that He's there with you. He's still present. And answer His question, what are you doing here? Because He's asking you. And so I actually want everyone to commit to two acts for me this week. All right, in the quiet, at least twice this week, doesn't matter when, just send someone a Facebook note, send someone a text, give someone a call, without agenda, without purpose, without feeling like you're being weird. All right, Just reach out and just connect, purely because you want to be a part of their lives and you don't want it to just pivot around these couple of big events. And the second one is this, Just pick some absolutely routine event you have. Brushing your teeth, doing the dishes, folding the laundry. And just commit to making a short prayer of conversation. You don't need to plan out in advance all the things you need to be talking to God about. You don't need to be making a map of how it's all going to work and making sure you cover off the whole family tree each week. Just have a conversation because that's what he wants to do with you. And train yourself to listen for that soft stillness, all right? after all the big bang is done, don't cut God out of the 95% of the mundane just because you think it's too boring for him or because you're on autopilot thinking about the next thing. In everything, give thanks. Amen? Amen. 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 All right.